You're listening to DraftKings Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Whoa, hot off the presses from ESPN's Baxter Holmes reporting that Phoenix Suns owner Robert Sarver is going to be interviewed here, it looks like, by the NBA's lawyers. I mean, did you see this? Yeah, yeah, I saw. I mean, this was all part of the plan when they did this investigation. You know they tried to hit me up too, right? No, I didn't know that. Swear to God, got a text message saying that we're from such and such law firm and we're conducting this investigation. And we wanted to know, you know, when you'd be available to talk. Oh, so what happened? What'd you say? Did you give them the stuff that prompted them to want to interview Sarver? Nah, man. Look, here's the deal, man. I give my words to a bunch of lawyers. Lawyers, by the way, that are hired by the league. I don't know where this thing ends up. I don't know how to use my words. I will not be a tool for the machine. My words are mine. My testimony is mine. I control it. And only... Straight from my voice, will people hear my testimony on things? So I guess I can say I politely declined, but I didn't even do that. I didn't even respond. True soldier for the Illumin Army. I mean, Al Hassan. General. My assignment. Uncover why the association inspires more conspiracy theories in volume and salience than any other U.S. sport. You've heard of the Illuminati. The truth is out there, but so are lies. Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. The NBA has always been controlled by about eight people. Denial is the most predictable of all human responses. If you're only using 10% of your brain, you don't even know that you're using 10% of your brain. The NBA Illuminati. If coincidences are just coincidences, why do they feel so contrived? The Illuminati. But you start to follow the money, and you don't know where the f*** is going to take you. It is unspoken. They have influence among other players. The NBA Illuminati. I don't have time for your convenient ignorance. Maybe I'm a conspiracist now as well. That's but- all it took. Oh, we got books, we got schools. You saw a video on YouTube. <laughs> Why am I, sir? You've never used them before. We are the basketball Illuminati. <laughs> Welcome to the Basketball Illuminati. I'm Tom Haberstroh, and I'm joined by my Basketball Illuminati comrade here, Amin El Hassan. There's a lot of big stories in the NBA, but nothing bigger than this one. And before we get into the Russell Westbrook conversation, I guess we're not supposed to call him Russell Westbrook. Like his name is his name. I'm very confused by this whole thing. I want to talk about another name, our Gmail account basketballilluminati at gmail.com. We've gotten lots of messages from the people, the Illuminati out there. Thank you so much for flooding our inbox with tips, things that you've noticed in the league, things that you've heard that you want us to investigate and put a spotlight on and shine light on these things. Thank you so much. Our inbox, I mean, have you gone in there? I have. I've perused through it and it's flush with information, with people noticing things that have happened in games and asking for questions. Man, someone with just well wishes and questions, which we appreciate as well. But look, man, we are, if nothing else, the sound of the people. That's right. We are the voice of the people. And so 
it would be ridiculous for us to be that and not give the people a direct communication line to us. So basketballilluminati at gmail.com. We welcome all of your submissions and we encourage you to stay vigilant. Yeah. And if you want to follow our socials, it's B-Ball Illuminati on Twitter, Basketball Illuminati on Instagram. Go follow us, subscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe, rate, review, wherever you listen to these podcasts. We did a thing last week where we had y'all review our show and we released the documents, the research on referees, and it went quite viral, I would say. And so that's what we want to do on this show is, is give back to the community. We want to release the information that you want out there in public and not shield it in some sort of layer, some PO box somewhere, security deposit box in some dungeon. We want to lift it out and produce documents that no one else wants us to produce. So thank you for responding and supporting the show. You are listening to The Agenda with Amin El Hassan and Tom Haberstroh. And now we got to take a little turn here and get to today's agenda. What the mainstream media wants us to talk about, the topic du jour, the topic that everyone in the basketball world wants us to talk about, but from their perspective, right? Russell Westbrook, top headline on ESPN right now. I'm sure it's all over TV. Russell Westbrook does not want us to call him Russell Westbrook anymore. It's really um, the, the shaming of my name, the shaming of my character, the shaming of who I am as a person um, is to me is not warranted. Um, I haven't done anything to anybody. I haven't hurt anyone. I haven't done anything but play basketball a way that people may not like. Um, And this is just a game. This is just a game. This is not my entire life. Uh, um, And I think that is the, the ultimate thing that's been for me. And I don't like to harp on. I kind of just kind of one and out the other. But once it starts to affect my my family, my wife, um, even today, my mom says something about it today, and it affects them even going to games. Like my, I don't even want to bring my kids to the game because I don't want them to hear people calling their dad nicknames and out of their names for no reason because he's playing the game that he loves, and it, it's it's gotten so bad where, you know, my family don't even want to go to home games to any game because of. Um, you know, uh, not just the media across the globe use their platforms to constantly shame, shame, shame me. Um, and, you know, it's just super unfortunate, man. I'm, you know, and it's super upsetting to me. And I'm, you know, I'm at a point, you know, to where I'm going to continue to address it. It's just uh, unfortunate. I mean, I don't know what to do with this. I remember this happened with Chris Bosch. When he was with the Miami Heat, I did a feature on Chris Bosh. I think it was like 2014, 2015 or something like that. He told me that Skip Bayless goes on first take on ESPN mm-hmm. and calls me Bosh Spice. And I have a problem with that because that's misogynistic and that's cruel to women to call me Bosh Spice because what, I'm soft? And Skip Bayless would do this all the time. Yeah. And I understand that perspective is like, man, that's not cool. You're calling me Bosh Spice. As a pejorative. As a nickname because I'm supposedly like a woman. As a word of denigration, basically, to a man. But this Westbrook story is just fans having fun with Russell Westbrook's name. Well, I mean, it's more than fans. It's Skip Bayless as well, right? Skip Bayless is the one that calls him Westbrook every day on his show. And we have the reaction from Westbrook's wife, Nina Westbrook, on Twitter addressing Skip Bayless directly. And so that's why this thing has kind of blown up beyond just, yeah, I don't like that guy or the fans have been following the lead of what has already been proven to be something that Westbrook feels, I guess, a level of sensitivity about. Right. Is this the same thing as calling LeBron LeBum? Like LeBron hasn't said, hey, don't disrespect my name like that. Kevin Garnett, right? What Skip once famously called Kevin Garnett. Prince James, he's called LeBron. Prince James and LeBum. There's no shortage of guys who have been denigrated for their on-court play with nicknames. 
as an analyst, are we not supposed to point out that he has missed a lot of shots for the Lakers? Like, are we not allowed to do that? Criticize him and say like, hey, he makes this much amount of money, $44 million. It eats up a ton of the cap and it makes things very difficult from a player management standpoint, roster management standpoint to have this kind of production from a $44 million salary player. This is the highest salary player on a team that just two years ago, they won an NBA championship with Mm -hmm. Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Right. And then you bring in Russell Westbrook, former MVP, Russell Westbrook, and they might be bounced from the playoffs, straight up bounced from the playoffs. Playoffs play in might be an issue, but Tom, I think you're focusing on the wrong things here. You're focusing on whether or not we're allowed to call Westbrook Westbrook, whether we should honor his request for us to not quote mess with his family name. And that his family is suffering from this. That, to me, that's not the story. That's a story that, you know, Skip and Stephen A. and and Brian Winhurst and Ben McMahon and all those guys, they want to talk about that stuff. That's fine. That's the surface level stuff. But I'm encouraging every one of you listeners to grab a shovel and just dig with me. Dig with me a couple layers beneath that surface. And you'll find the real story here. We heard that sound from Westbrook. You know what I heard in that sound? What'd you hear me? I heard him say, it's just a game. This is just a game. This is just a game. This is not my entire life. It's just a game. You might say to yourself, well, so what, I mean? Well, Westbrook's own teammate, LeBron James, who, by the way, had a documentary. What was that documentary called? More than a game. It'll always be about more than basketball. That was more than an athlete. Was it more than a game? It's more than a game, Tom. More than a game. Oh. 2008 documentary covering the meteoric rise of LeBron James. LeBron has a monopoly on more than us. Just last week, Amin, LeBron, from the very same locker room, said, I ride or die with the Lakers faithful. If they scream, I'm with them. If they boo, I'm with them. That stuff doesn't bother me, man. I'm 20 years into this league. A boo here, a boo there, a cheer, whatever they want to do. Let's do it. We're all together. (laughs) Oh, and you said get your shovels out. Isn't this LeBron also saying he's going to be with the Lakers or he's going to give his all until they put me 12 feet underground? Wow. So LeBron had this to say on the latest episode of The Shop. I would go out on a court sometimes and like, I don't know. Maybe I didn't sleep well last night or, you know, daughter may have had me, you know, kids, we might have been up late, you know, whatever, or I didn't just sleep well and I just need a little, like, jump starter. I go out on the floor during warm-ups and I just, I'll just be looking for a LeBron hater. I just need one of them. (laughs) I'll be like, please, let me find this one LeBron hater. I know, that's what I'm saying. I need it. I'm in the crowd for warm-ups. It's like 20 minutes before the game starts and I'm just looking like... Oh, I found this <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go tonight. You might be saying to me, you just named all this stuff. Like, what does any of this have to do with Westbrook? Here's what it is. All of these people are telling you that it is more than a game, that they relish this. That's what the league wants you to believe. That's what they're selling. They're selling that this thing is more than a game. Mm. You ever heard this one? Basketball is life? No, I've heard this is bigger than basketball. I mean, bigger than basketball. Basketball is life. That's from noted NBA partner and cog in the machine, Nike. All of these things are all pointing you towards a direction that this thing is the most important thing to keep us all hooked in there. IV, straight to the vein. And here comes Russell Westbrook. Uh-oh. To let you know all of that is a myth. It's not more than a game. It's not life. It is, in fact, just a game. Now, that would seem to me to be a very healthy way to approach this profession. But what it's not good for, it's not good for business. People having a life, that's not good for business. And so I see all of these people trying to reiterate to us the company line. And I see Westbrook. And then I say, no, I'm not going to tell that company line. And what happens? What do you see across the media? You see anybody sticking up for Russell Westbrook? Huh? No. You see legions upon legions of people pointing out, just like you did, Tom. Oh, LeBron, they called him LeBum. Everywhere, same thing. Signs are right there. 
I mean, I'm just sitting here. I'm like, what we're supposed to call him. I think I saw someone say that Eastbrook. We're going to have to come up with new nicknames for Russell Westbrook. Because I'm sitting here and I'm like, man, the nickname is born out of him missing shots. We're keeping it to the game. He's shooting 43% from the floor. He's shooting 28% from downtown. In the month of March, he's one for 20 on jumpers outside of 10 feet. We're not doing the Bosch Spice thing with him. We're doing something within the 94 feet, all the lines of basketball. Westbrook is not about something off court. This is about him and his inability to make shots. So Tom, this is where I have a problem Tom. is the nickname is about basketball. And he's trying to say, stop making it about stuff outside of basketball. It's just a game. Tom, well, we are. Tom, 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 Tom. The man said, I can't bring my family to games anymore. You think that's just about people chanting? He's telling you, I don't feel safe. I don't think my family's safe out there. This is textbook intimidation by higher forces. How many times we say this? Oh, you're just paranoid. There are no accidents, ladies and gentlemen. There is no happenstance. There's no coincidence. I hear you, Russell Westbrook. I fear for my family. The work we do here on this podcast, I fear for my family. I'll let people know what my kids are, what their names are, how many I have, what ages they are. Do you know how many kids you have? Racist. You all think I'm late. Well, I'm not late. And I'm going to stay right here and fight for this lost cause. Even if this room gets filled with lies like these. And the tailors and all their armies come marching into this place. Somebody will listen to me. There's no better way to overpower a trickle of doubt than with a flood of naked truth. But the complexity in the grave lie not in the truth. But what you what do with the truth once you have it. What is true and right is true and right for all. You and I both know that that's just not the truth. You can't handle the truth! It's too messy. Keeps them up nights. I'm here because in the end, the truth is worth the risk. Speak a little truth and people lose their minds. I'm a grown man. You can tell me the truth. Why is it people who want the truth never believe it when they hear it? So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something really outrageous. I'm going to tell the truth. Now introducing our new segment on Basketball Illuminati, Truth Tellers. Hmm. The people who refuse to accept the mainstream agenda, the mainstream narrative, we are going to have interviews on this show Uh with the truth tellers and our first guest. I just want to point out real quick because, you know, a lot of people out there, they're in the media, they claim to be watchdogs, Mm -hmm. keep people honest and stuff. But the reality is they're merely tools, apparatus of the greater machine. Some of them knowingly, some of them unknowingly. So every once in a while, you get these trailblazers, these charlatans who choose to go against against the prevailing conventional wisdom. Charlatans? <laughs> yeah, they're from Charlotte. <laughs> yes. Tom's a charlatan. I'm a Phoenician. Maze is a... Franciscan. Yeah. <laughs> so they choose... To eschew what the mainstream media wants you to talk about, wants you to believe, and they're going to say it how it is. And I'm going to tell you guys, there's just like a handful of these people out there. The people who tell it how it is, and our guest here, he's one of them. Mm, Yeah, they're all just spokes on a wheel, Tom, these other media people. I intend to break the wheel, Tom. Welcome to the show, to Truth Tellers, Ethan Sherwood Strauss. Substack writer extraordinaire of House of Strauss. <laughs> Why are you laughing? It's great branding. It's a very flattering intro, but oh my God, what a douchebag I would be if I was saying, hey, I'm the one who tells the truth. All you others, bunch of liars, but me? There's nothing douchey about what you do, Ethan. What are you talking about? We're not saying you're the only one. We're saying that we are a very small but tight-knit community who are devoted mm. to facts, who are devoted to keeping your third eye open, who are devoted to telling it how it is, not how they want it to be. And so, Mm. Ethan, I say this with great admiration and respect for the work that you've done in your Substack space. But let me ask you this, before we get into the specifics of your latest piece, which I just thought was fascinating. Yes. What do you think has been the biggest difference between Ethan Strauss, cog in the machine, 
at the Athletic, at ESPN, at Slate, at all the other stops you've had. Don't forget Yelp. <laughs> versus Ethan Strauss, I'm my own boss. I think it's more experimental and it's more trial and error where I really don't know what's going to hit. I don't know what's going to work. And so I can just explore the space and I don't have to think about I just don't have to hear footsteps. You know what I mean? I don't have to wonder, is this going to be an issue? Is this going to create some sort of problem for a colleague? But the other weird thing is something on the other end. I feel so much less pressure now because I get so little feedback from people who are angry at me. Really? It's weird. I thought people would just be raging at me. It's taught me something about life, guys. It's taught me something. I used to think that the anger people were expressing to you in private was correlated to how mad they are at you. Now I realize, at least in this business, it's correlated to how much they think they can bully you and pressure you. Mm. And so when I was with ESPN or I was with The Athletic, somebody would get mad. Maybe it was somebody with a team. Maybe it was an agent. Maybe it was the NBA. It was Mike Bass. Love you, Mike Bass. (laughs) Just screaming at me. I don't know if Mike Bass ever screamed, but he was, you know, assertive. He texted in caps. That doesn't happen now. And, you know, maybe somebody would say that's because you got a little podunk substack. Maybe, although I get more reads on that than I do at my old job if I make the post free. And I know people in the industry read it. Wow. Now I'm sounding like a douche. Now I'm sounding arrogant, but it's true. No, this is great. It's not douchey if it's facts. You're not this little outpost here. You're actually having a, a larger audience than what you had at your mainstream places. Yeah, sometimes depending. I'll just be open and honest. Standard article will get over 20,000 views. The most I've gotten is up around 100,000. So it's not like when you're at ESPN and you're getting potentially something in the million range if you put out a big article, as you know, Tom. But a lot of people in the industry follow it. And a lot of people are subscribed, so it can have an effect or at least get a certain reaction out there. But the reaction never comes back to me, and I find that so so curious that I just have gotten nothing. Why do you think that is? Why do you think people aren't complaining to you directly anymore? There's no leverage point. That's what I've learned. I got a different theory. Ooh, okay. My theory is that there's no way to really pressure. They can't say, hey, if you don't clean up your criticism of this athlete I'm representing, then we're going to make it really hard for your colleagues to interview with our agency's guys. Have they ever said that? Have they ever been that explicit? No, they insinuate it though. I mean, it's just like, I don't know if you really, do you really want to go down that road with us? Yeah. Oh, that's sports center special sit down that you have with so-and-so or your colleague has with so-and-so. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, I know they do it in terms of your personal access, but have you ever felt the insinuation that your actions will be responsible for ramifications that hit other people that are not you. You felt that. Yes, that has been insinuated to me. And like Tom is saying, they try not to make it so explicit. That could get dangerous. But there's some sharp customers. They know how to play the game. Sometimes it's a bluff, but it's definitely a position at the poker table they want to represent on occasion. I've got a different theory, although I think what you're saying makes sense as well. I've got a theory that these people don't want you to know that they read your shit. Nah, mm. that happens too. I'm dead serious. It's one thing. It was like, it was on ESPN or it was on The Athletic. I clicked, oh, I, oh Ethan wrote it. I didn't even realize I was halfway through. It's another thing. It's your newsletter. It's your Substack. They've literally got to go find you in order to read this and catch this. And on top of that, I mean, pay him. Mm-hmm. Pay you for the right. Not only just reading it, they're supporting him financially. The worst. And Ethan gets the emails of all of the people who subscribe. And that also gets... I don't know if I want people knowing that, but it is true. Ethan, can I ask you this? If I said email addresses that are subscribers that end with at insertnbateam.com, a few, a couple, or a lot? It's not a tremendous crazy amount, but it's over 10 But then I hear about GMs being subscribed, and I didn't see any association with their name or the team. Oh, I mean, if only it was possible to create a different email address (laughs) with a different name associated with it. How about littleoklahomadrummerboy at (laughs) gmail.com? Yeah, but you can't expense those, man. If only they were making more than $10 a month, Tom. I'll tell you what, it gets really interesting to see what articles, because sometimes I'll put an article out there 
And I've noticed people will rag on you if you don't get a lot of Twitter engagement on occasion, but there are articles that just do crazy subscription numbers that do nothing on Twitter. The one about CAA versus Clutch, for instance, racked up quite a few subscriptions for me. It racked up, I think, about 84 subscriptions, which represents about 9,000 or so in annualized revenue for an article. And I didn't really see that do much on Twitter. I didn't see it get aggregated, but I did see people in the league subscribing to read that. I did see at certain agencies subscribing to read it. So it's partially a publication about culture and blah, 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 but it's also partially a bit of a trades publication and people will charge the company account for the trades publication. That's the business model. Fake Rob Lowe at (laughs) gmail.com? Yeah. So it's almost a two-tiered business model where it's my precious little thoughts if you're into that, but it's also some actual reporting and information that isn't going to be shared a lot by the other publications because agents are sources. So people don't want to tell you about the hand agencies have in certain situations. That's right. The latest article, Clutch Lakers versus CAA Knicks, the agency model and the Intel fight within. Fascinating stuff in here because I didn't even know the Omar Wilkes thing that you pointed out, that Omar Wilkes, who's the son of Lakers Hall of Famer, Jamal Wilkes, is considered to be a candidate to take over the Lakers front office. Okay, so this is where it gets crazy I think about this Intel shadow world of the NBA that we now have. Yes. Where it's a Schrodinger's next Lakers GM situation. Ah, yes. Schrodinger, more famous for his cat thought experiment, which stated that if you place a cat in something that could kill the cat in a box and sealed it, you would not know if the cat was dead or alive until you opened the box. So until that box was opened, the cat was, in a sense, both dead and alive. Because I've heard it both ways. And Fisher over at Bleacher Report also heard it similarly. Truth teller. Omar Wilkes, clutch agent, hell of a player recruiter, wooed away from Octagon. Either he is the next Lakers GM that extends the clutch dynasty of running the Lakers into the future, or this is a rumor planted by CAA to prevent Wilkes from luring a top prospect away from CAA and they need to just show that top prospect that he's a short timer. Don't trust this guy. This guy's not going to be repping you because he's going to be running the Lakers. It's one or the other. That's a very odd thing for a Laker fan following the league and wondering, okay, either this guy's my next GM or this is part of a scheme, a disinformation plot. Soldier boy, tell him at hotmail.com. <laughs> Would that be Michael or Arn who would go with that, you think? Ethan, is there any scenario where it could be both? Could it be both? Or does it get spoken into existence? Isn't it beneficial for Omar Wilkes to, one, be next in line for Lakers GM, but also have CAA very worried about him? Hmm. Maybe it will work out for everybody. Maybe the NBA is so corrupt now that he'll represent Paolo Banchero. Am I pronouncing that right? Banchero. Good enough. Maybe he'll represent him as an agent for Clutch while also being GM of the Lakers. Why not? Yeah. It'll just be all the conflicts of interest simultaneously. RC Cola at CompuServe.net. But Ethan, let's take the Illuminarmy back to day one. Rich Paul at a Akron Canton airport with LeBron James, Randy Mims, and Maverick Carter. He's selling jerseys out of the trunk of his car. And this is the formation of LRMR. That's the marketing and branding arm of LeBron James through the Cleveland, then Miami. And I think they folded it into their current venture with uh, Spring Hill Entertainment. But LRMR was basically LeBron's people from his childhood that were representing him in business affairs. And this was a totally new thing. Yeah. The NBA teams, agents had to deal with them if they wanted to get in business with LeBron. And LeBron saw something in Rich Paul and wanted him to be his guy, his guy representing him in basketball. But how does Rich Paul become an agent? How do you do that? Ooh, set up so well. Well, LeBron gets him a gig with CAA under the great power agent Leon Rose who then schools him in the ways of agenting. 
And I didn't mention this in the article, but there's a funny parallel to this whole thing. And if we were making a TV show out of it, I think that we would have to focus on the parallels. It'd be very cinematic because something similar went on later with Adrian Wojnarowski and Shams of mentor and protege and breakup because Leon Rose, schooling, Rich Paul in the ways, Rich Paul leaves with LeBron James, the biggest, biggest client that Leon Rose and CAA have, a scalding loss for CAA. And then Rich Paul uses all that he learned from Leon Rose and from his time there to become a power agent in his own right and start an empire at clutch. Similar to how you might think Shams learned a lot under Woj, got a lot of contacts, and then they had an acrimonious breakup. And now it's all funny and there's such a synergy because people tend to associate Woj with CAA, which represents him, and associate Shams more with the clutch side of things. My baloney has a second name at yahoo.com. It's a fascinating moment in the NBA that probably most people don't realize is when Rich Paul left CAA, that created an entirely new paradigm. The idea that LeBron not only as a business relationship with this agent who is now going to represent all these other stars in the league and they get players like John Wall, they get Ben Simmons, Tristan Thompson, Anthony Edwards, and we'll get to that in a second. I always wondered when LeBron James and Rich Paul seceded from CAA, what did that do for Rich Paul and Leon Rose? Because now Leon Rose is running the New York Knicks with World Wide West. Yeah. These are two of LeBron's closest confidants and business partners from back in the day. In 2012, when LeBron James won the championship, finally won the championship with Miami, he was surrounded by eight people in the celebration. In the back room, you always get pictures, right? Ethan, you probably remember this covering the Warriors is when you win a championship, you get all these photos with the Larry O'Brien trophy. You might have your wife, your family, your parents, your agent, whoever it is. When LeBron took his photo after his family, he had Worldwide West, Leon Rose, Lynn Merritt, Rich Paul, Maverick Carter. And now Leon Rose is running the Knicks. Worldwide West is his number two. You have Maverick Carter, that CEO of Spring Hill Entertainment. And you have Randy Mims, Randy Mims, who's one of the R's in LRMR, right? I don't know which one is it. The, I mean, is it the first one or the second one, would you say? Randy is the second R. I'm guessing. I don't know. But also, Kobe at rocketmail.com. I mean, can you walk in and stop coming up with pun email names? I'm just- We've got a truth teller here for a limited amount of time, all right? Sorry for that. Rude interruption, Tom. Please continue. You got LRMR and the code. Let's decode this. It stands for LeBron, Rich, Paul, Maverick, and Randy Mims. So if Clutch is now operating as basically the executive arm of the Lakers are trying to be, and then you have Leon Rose over there, it does feel like that demarcation moment or when things split is really huge. And I didn't know their relationship, Leon and Rich Paul currently, but as you were citing articles from the New Yorker that profiled Rich Paul in the New Yorker, he says, I didn't learn shit. (laughs) Let me tell you something. Paul responded, quote, I learned nothing at CAA. And then LeBron's PR reps, Adam Mendelson says, you know, you're on the record, by the way. (laughs) And Paul goes, nothing. I learned nothing because there was no investment in me for me to learn anything. There was no plan. I used my personal skill set that I grew up with for these opportunities. So there you have it. Rich Paul, Leon Rose, and CAA, no love lost there. And not only that, to get it even more tangled, a lot of people think that the Knicks got in heavy with CAA off of LeBron not choosing them. And they were sold on this idea that you got to get in good with this agency if you're going to be able to rope in these players. And so that starts their trajectory that ends up leading to Thibodeau CAA guy coaching the Knicks, Leon Rose, the CAA power agent, CAA World Wide West. And I know some people are listening and they're going, what the hell is this? There are so many initials. This is so confusing. And yet this is how a lot of it gets done. And one of the reasons I like to talk about it beyond just being interested in how businesses work There's something fundamentally dishonest about how so much of the media portrays these situations unfolding 
and they edit out the principals. They pretend that the principals are the extras when often they're the people driving the action. And that's why I think it's worth mentioning. Especially when they're intertwined. Yes. In the case of CAA, you know, there are people that say, oh, Clutch has surrogates, right? People might accuse a Dave McMenamin as a surrogate, even though he has no business, financial or otherwise, connection to Clutch other than he's covered LeBron for a very long time. In the case of some reporters, you are absolutely represented by the same agency, CAA, that is, in essence, shadow controlling an NBA organization. So it leads me to two questions for you, Ethan. First of all, you talk about the agency model in terms of agents controlling organizations. Do you believe that there are actual owners that are looking at this like, huh, maybe we should do something like that? And my second question is, which do you like better, Kings of Leon at AOL.com or Kiss from a Rose at Earthlink.net? I think I would go with the second one. And with the ownership, it's hard to tell because I do think that the agency model targets weak ownership. It targets people who are not totally in control. And I've analogized it to that scene in Goodfellas where Sonny running the restaurant gets roped in and tricked by the Goodfellas, and he goes, hey, I need your help. I'm getting bullied by Joe Pesci. Hold on. He didn't get roped in. Yeah, he did. No, they told him, you don't want this. And he insisted. He insisted. That was part of the scam, dude. That was part of them. That was the sale (laughs) where they're saying, hey, what am I going to do? I don't know how to run a restaurant. The whole thing was orchestrated. This was all a scheme. That's why Pesci was bullying him. He was doing that for Polly to make the guy come running to Polly. And then Polly acts like he doesn't want it. But that was the whole plan. Oh, Ethan, Bill Simmons loved that reference. (laughs) Oh, he was dying. I love that he loved it. Ethan, the other thing is notice when Amin asked you that question, the Minnesota Timberwolves, when they got the new ownership, one of their first hires was a clutch guy. Mm, Yeah. So Marquise Watts in January, the clutch president of brand strategy was hired to run basically their player experience. He's in the C-level suite for the Minnesota Timberwolves now. Huh, that's an interesting hire. Wonder why. Well, Anthony Edwards, clutch guy. And then you have Carl Towns, who's a CAA guy. And I think D'Angelo Russell is also CAA. Yeah. So you can see, as you laid out in your article, the intel, the information that having someone on staff, whether it's an assistant coach or in the front office, is super valuable for these agencies. That Rich Paul and Clutch having someone in that organization in Minnesota can be very advantageous for their business. Yeah, it's an intel game and it's a game of connections. I think I mentioned that a lot of people think that Erica Ruiz is going to jump from CAA to Clutch. She's an agent. And then I think about her client list. This is just reckless speculation. I think about her client list. I go, huh, who's on her client list? Oh, Seth Curry. Huh. Well, that would be an interesting play for Clutch. That would be an intriguing play if they got the brother. So they're all trying for these things behind the scenes and peddling influences they can. And I think it's odd to people because they're looking at this. They're going, I don't know these agencies from Adam. It's a bunch of initials. It's weird to me that people on the inside would really care about it. But they do, I think. It's not like William Wallace and Braveheart fighting for something they believe in, right? These agencies, I don't think that they have some sort of sense of, oh, I'm CAA till I die. I'm going to get a CAA tattoo. But it's so competitive. There's a paranoia to being an agent. You are constantly either rising or falling. You are predator and prey. You look to your right and then you look back to your left and the other agent is sidling up to your player and trying to woo him. So that's why it's so vicious behind the scenes. And that's why it's highly plausible that CAA would leak a rumor just to scuttle Omar Wilkes' pursuit of a high-end draft pick, right? It's just a dirty, competitive game, and it's driving much of the action behind the scenes of the NBA, probably more so than ever. And it might not be great for the overall product. Yeah. And these people matter, right? Like these people who are in these agencies or are close to certain players, it matters. Front offices, like they have to put them on staff. Put it this way. When LeBron James left Miami, Randy Mims, who is part of LRMR and the chief of staff for LeBron, if you see LeBron James in a visitor's arena, chances are Randy Mims is right next to him. He wasn't on the Miami Heat staff. 
The Miami Heat did not hire him, did not put him in the front office. Where he was with the Cleveland Cavaliers, he was on the front office as the executive administrator of player program and logistics. Before LeBron left the Cavs, he was the player liaison on the media guide, the official roster for the Cleveland Cavaliers. There you see Randy Mims' name. And when Randy Mims and LeBron James went to Miami, they couldn't get him on the books. The Miami Heat refused. Yeah, they tried. It didn't work. And this is kind of the power play that LeBron, I think when he went to Miami, he didn't expect because he had this experience in Cleveland that like, I can put that person on that staff and he's on the staff here and I can get my people on the staff on the payroll. To be clear, this is not a new happening. You know, the same thing happened with Shaq. We get Uncle Jerome, the famous Uncle Jerome on as team security, director of team security. And Amari Stoudemire did that when he went to New York. It's happened for quite a while. Larry Bird hired his boy, or the guy that was his guy in Boston, to be the equipment manager in Indiana when he came over. So this is hardly a new phenomenon or a LeBron-specific phenomenon, but it is something worth noting that fewer and fewer opportunities to say no. Right. And I think it's interesting when you notice that LeBron... When he left Miami, right before he left Miami, and Wright Thompson reported this for ESPN.com, the scene of Pat Riley and Andy Ellisberg getting on a plane to Vegas to meet with LeBron James and the four horsemen, as they call themselves. In any photo you see of LeBron James, Randy, and Maverick and Rich, they hold up four fingers, the four horsemen, as they call themselves. So Pat Riley is bringing championship trophies in the very Pat Riley way. He's bringing championship trophies. He has a bellman bring the luggage cart upstairs with Andy Ellisberg, the GM, and they're going to go in and meet with LeBron and the four horsemen. But Pat Riley walks in to the hotel suite and sees that it's just Rich Paul and Randy Mims sitting there watching a World Cup game. World Cup, yeah. Remember, this is Randy Mims who the Heat refused to put on the official team payroll, which means that he's not going to fly on the team plane et cetera, et cetera. That's a big power play. And there was no Maverick Carter, which is a problem because one of the (laughs) things that Pat Riley wanted to do was bring the wine that Maverick Carter brought to Pat Riley in 2010 when they consummated the whole LeBron James is coming and taking his talents to South Beach. At that meeting, Maverick Carter brought a specific Napa wine called Promise. And Pat Riley brought a bottle of that wine to present to Maverick Carter. Like, let's do it again. And Maverick was nowhere to be seen. Mm. And so at one point, Pat Riley, as Wright Thompson reported, Pat Riley looks up at the TV and just says, can you mute that, please? That's when Pat Riley and the Miami Heat realized that they weren't getting LeBron back. So then (laughs) when he goes to Cleveland, Randy Mims is on the payroll as the executive administrator, player program and logistics. And then when he leaves Cleveland and goes to the Lakers... On their media guide, you can see that Randy Mims is now on the Lakers payroll in their front office, that LeBron James positioned Randy Mims in the front office of the Lakers as the executive administrator, player program and logistics. And there's two other executive administrator, player program and logistics for the Lakers, a man named Garrett Partman and a man named Keith Chamberlain. Garrett Partman is Anthony Davis's security guard, nicknamed GP. And Keith Chamberlain is Anthony Davis's first cousin. So when LeBron James goes to the Lakers, he makes sure that his people are taken care of. Broad Street Musical at gmail.com. And I think it's very impressive that LeBron has pulled this off. I know that they dispute his role in it. They say it's rich, rich, rich for clutch. But I also think that there's a distaste for it not just within the league, but fans don't like when a player is exerting their leverage in this way to do things the team doesn't want that appear to be for the player's preferences, if not his enrichment with a venture. But what's hard is that LeBron really makes it rain. He makes it bloom. He takes the Lakers from a situation where they're nowhere, where they're pathetic, completely on their back, can't get anything right. And he comes in and he exerts his influence and he uses it as a launching pad for clutch. And it all feels mercenary and weird, but it was a turnaround, right? So from the LeBron perspective, why would he do things any differently when he just keeps succeeding 
time after time where people rip him for the decision, but he does win the championships in Miami. And people doubt whether he should have gone back to Cleveland, but he wins the championship in Cleveland. And then he goes to Hollywood and he makes it this clutch launching pad. Clutch becomes one of the biggest agencies, by the way, and he wins a championship. Yes, I know it's a bubble championship. You can understand it from the LeBron perspective, but I also think that people don't want the NBA to be this, man. They don't want the NBA to be this. But this is what GMs <laughs> talk about and agents talk about. And this is what coaches talk about. It's like, oh, I got to play this guy because of the connections with the superstar. And we've seen this. I mean, we talked about Shaq and Larry Bird, but there's also tons of examples of, I mean, the Ana de Kumpos, right? Mm-hmm. Is that teams get Giannis's brothers to try to recruit them on their team to get an inside track with Giannis. This is a tale as old as time, but most reporters don't touch that, which is why we love having you on as a truth teller. We need it. It's needed. It's required. Dare I say it, it's mandatory. It's compulsory. If you consider yourself a true aficionado of this sport, of this game. Would you say it's obligatory? It is obligatory. Necessary? Well, anyways. You said mandated, I believe. If you are mandatory, I did say that. You are, (laughs) but mandated, I guess is a different word. Mandalorian? Required. If you are someone who considers yourself a little bit more nuanced, a more refined palette for this game, for basketball, for sports. You listen to this podcast, obviously, that's a a great first step. But you listen to people like Ethan Strauss because he is not encumbered by the strings of big media and big narrative to talk about the things they want you to talk about or, in the case of Ethan, sometimes not talk about the things they don't want you to talk about, right? He doesn't have those restrictions anymore. He is free. His third eye is open. Open yours. Mm. Ethan Strauss, thank you for joining us on the Basketball Illuminati. What an interview with Ethan Sherwood Strauss, the premier of Truth Tellers. Mm-hmm. Appreciate him taking his time out of his very busy day, shining light on all the darkness. But I mean, it's time for me to tell you about some research I did in a segment we like to call Tom Did His Own Research. Last week, we talked about the referees and the ratings and how the NBA puts its best referees on the most high-profile teams, the Lakers, the Warriors, the Knicks, and they almost never put rookie referees on those precious Lakers games, those Knicks games, those 76ers, the big markets of the NBA. You remember that, I mean? Did you enjoy that? Yes, I did. You tweeted out the research, and it went viral. Yeah, yeah. People went nuts, and I, I thought it was really fascinating to see how many people reacted to it, and basically it confirmed what they believed about their team and what was happening in the games that their teams were playing in. Not what they believe in me. It's what they knew. I'm confirming, I'm double-checking what the fans knew about their teams and the referees and the way the NBA operates, right? Pretty much. You have an update for us on that? Yes. I did some more research. Mm -hmm. In my head, I thought, I mean, what if this is just a one-year blip? What if this is just an outlier? Right. This is just this season. So I went back. I got that shovel out. Started digging some more. This year, the Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Lakers get the best referees from the NBA. The NBA assigns the best, most experienced referees to the Warriors and the Lakers, LeBron and Steph. So I ask you, Amin, last season, not this season, last season, which team had the highest referee rating? Forget this season. I'm just saying which team, on average, had the most experienced, most trusted referees from the NBA, the ones that they trust them to be the leaders of those crew chiefs. Oh, I got you. No, it's got to be Lakers. It's got to be Lakers because last year, Lakers were expected to repeat. They were the legacy team. They're the big franchise. They've got the biggest star in LeBron. I'm going to go Lakers. Ding, 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 ding. I mean, you're right once again. You're good at this game. Yeah. Is it just a game? No, it's more than a game. Way more than a game. More than a game, but that's what they want you to believe. 3.17 average crew rating on Lakers games. Number two on the list last season. I'm not talking about this season. I'm talking about the last season. The Lakers, once again, had extremely strong referees on its games. The NBA made sure of it. And the second team on that list is... The Golden State Warriors. Wow. What we have here, Amin and Maze and the Illumin Army out there, we have a pattern. We have something 
It isn't just an outlier. It's a pattern, not just this season, but last season too. the Lakers and the Golden State Warriors had the highest referee ratings. And at the bottom of the list, we have Orlando, Minnesota, Cleveland, Oklahoma City, and the Washington Wizards. Well, it's all flyover and the Wizards. Indiana, Detroit, Charlotte. This is not just a one-year blip. This is a pattern, folks, that the NBA does this not just for this year, but for years prior. So I'm going to continue to keep digging, folks. Keep digging. I'm not dropping this. Don't let that shovel go. If you're a small market team, you don't get on national TV. And if you don't get on national TV, you don't get the good refs. fucked up tom what happened i can't believe we had this whole conversation about west and we never consulted with one of the biggest media voices out there who's consistently been a voice of reason on this kind of issue Radio Ethan, thank you for joining us on Basketball Illuminati, the Westbrook-Westbrook conversation. Didn't know if you had had some thoughts on that. I have a lot of loud, angry thoughts about that, Amin. To hear this guy making over $40 million a year pleading with the media, oh, my family doesn't like it, when I'm called Westbrook. Stop calling me West. You're lucky we don't call you Clank Clank McLoser, okay? We can come up with a lot of other names, buddy. You're earning over $40 million a year. You should be in jail. You're bilking the Lakers. You are Todd the Fraud. How about that nickname? We can come up with anything. It's all going to say and mean the same thing, which is you suck right now, buddy. Nothing you say in any kind of press conference, no amount of whining, no amount of pointing fans out and saying, oh, referee, please help me. He hurt my feelings is going to change the fact that you are the most overrated player in the history of the NBA. Yeah, your ad campaign was, now I do what I want. Apparently, now you suck all the time. That's what you want. It's sad to see it. I feel bad for Laker fans. I feel bad for Magic Johnson, the great Magic Johnson, who called you West accidentally while trying to compliment you. He can't even prevent himself from doing it. None of us can. That's the thing you need to know right now, West. We can't even stop ourselves because it's true. We can't even edit ourselves. Don't beg us to stop because we cannot, and we will not stop unless you stop. Retire now, Westbrook. Only then will we stop mocking you for deceiving and bilking the great people of Los Angeles. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.